So uh, how are you guys doing? I see a lot of new faces. That makes me excited. Um, I know that you were probably a little worried if it's your first time in here. Uh, oh, great. I came to a business meeting. Um, this isn't a business meeting. The business part's over. Um, well, I mean, we're still going to talk about the word, so that's pretty business-y, I guess. Um, we have, over the past few weeks, we've been going over our core values and what uh, what Life Church is about, Life Church New Braunfels is about. So um, we've talked about a few different ones. Um, before I go further, this Wednesday, we've gone through a bunch of different things on Wednesdays. And this Wednesday, we're going to kind of test out our, uh, our new plan for our life groups, which is our small groups. Um, and so the, our new plan for, go, for our, all of our, uh, our small groups, which we call life groups, are, um, is that we're gonna be, it's going to be a sermon-based discussion. So this coming Wednesday... Um, we're not going to watch a video. We're just going to come in. We're going to have. We're also going to have dinner for you, free dinner. It's fantastic, and uh, and also we're just going to have some discussion about the message that you're going to hear today. Um, so you might want to take notes. Yeah, I'm just kidding, because uh, they will ask you questions. If you if you want to come and not dis- have a discussion, you're fine. You're welcome to do that. But most of the people that come and sit in groups want to talk about stuff, and so. <laughs> I'm just saying that for Jessica. She always gives me a hard time when we force people to talk. Um, so anyway, uh, so it's going to be really good. Come Wednesday night, 6.30. It's 6.30 to 8.30. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Again, when we just talked about our council meeting, the church I came from, I was on the council several times, and um, it, the, the meetings were very business meetings. We use Robert's Rules of Order to make sure that everything's covered. We do that in our meetings too, but we also have a lot of fun. Um, and our meetings are like, they're wild. Like we have, we laugh and laugh and laugh and Jessica's like, Hey, can y'all pay attention? Can y'all get back on, on task? Cause Jessica's the uh, one that does the finances. And, uh, so it's great. We have fun. I'm not sure that church is supposed to be as fun as we make it, but we're just going to keep doing it this way. That's one of our core values. And literally whenever we first started, uh, the church in 20, right at the beginning of 2020, um, we wrote out our core values and what these things are that we're going to stand for. And, the, and I look back on the notes as I was preparing for, uh, for doing these messages, and the very first thing I wrote was fun. And we have held to that. Um, we maybe like too much, but uh, we've held to that. It's, it's who we are. It's what we're about. Uh, church is supposed to be fun. We are going to be celebrating for all eternity with each other in heaven, and it is going to be so fun, Right? All right, so in first service, they were not very receptive. They didn't say things. They didn't laugh. This is not first service. Y'all better be laughing, all right? (laughs) So that's okay now. Some of the core values that we've already covered is um, that we are wholly owned. Whenever we were purchased on the cross by Jesus, he purchased all of you, your entire life, every part of your life. There's no part that you have a right to keep to yourself. Okay. Uh, another thing we talked about is servant leadership. Um, the way that we view leadership is that um, just like Jesus, Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. So we come and we serve. Any of the leaders that you see here, we are servants first. Uh, we do not expect to be served. And maybe you've come from a church or been part of a church where you are expected to, in some way, for lack of a better term, exalt the leaders. 
or, or, um, or lift them up or, or, or look at them in a different way. That's not how it is here. If you ha- get a flat tire, trust me, you're going to be racing me to go out and change your tire. I am here to serve you. Every one of our leaders is here to serve you, and that's what we're about. You will see us. We're the first ones here and the last ones to leave. Not because we're, it, look, it genuinely, I don't serve, I don't take out the trash here so that you can see me being a good example and, uh, of taking the trash out. I take the trash out here because I love Jesus, and I'm serving him with everything I'm doing. And uh, I don't do it as a performance thing. There's so many things that I do um, because I have to protect my attitude of, because of, I, I don't, y'all won't believe this, but I'm kind of a hard-headed uh, person. And uh, I know. <laughs> and so I do a lot of things purposely that are uncomfortable. I don't want to do only because I want to make sure that I'm guarding my heart because I, I am a servant first, period. And that's how we look at, at, uh, at our leadership here. We're also gospel-centered. Always, always, always we talk about the gospel. Well, Jesus is the center. What he came for is the center of everything we do. So we are gospel-centric. And then a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how the church is a hospital. We, um, just about everyone that, uh, that goes to church here has come from another church. And they have come with hurt and pain and, uh, and maybe stuff from other churches or maybe just stuff from life. And we feel like the church exists. It's not a museum. It's not a country club. We're not here to like just pat each other on the back and, and high five each other and be like, yeah, church is fun. It's, it is about um, nursing people back to health so that they can be sent as ministers to the culture that we're going out into. So uh, that's, that's really what it's about. And whenever, um, like you've probably invited people to church before in your life, and those people have said, no, I don't want to go to church. There's a lot of hypocrites there. And that's so frustrating because you're, they're right. Like, there's a lot of hypocrites there. And they can come and be one of the other hypocrites that's there. You know, that's what I always tell people. I'm like, well, there's room for one more. Come on. Um, so it's like, I don't want to go to the hospital. There's sick people there. It's like, dummy. That's where people go to get healthy. The church is where sick people go to get healthy. It, that's how it should work. And that's what we're, we're about. We're about nursing people back to a position where they can get out and be servants and serve people. Amen? So uh, the thing we're going to talk about today is one of my favorite subjects in the world to talk about. It is hearing God's voice. If you're a Christian right now, if you have Jesus in your heart right now, God is speaking to you. This moment, this very second, God is speaking to you. Um, In this room, there probably are hundreds of thousands of radio waves going through this room. We cannot hear those things because we don't have our ear tuned. We don't have the ability to tune into that frequency. So therefore, we can't hear it. Whenever we uh, mature and we're growing as Christians, we learn to tune our ear to the frequency of his voice. Whenever you hear the frequency of his voice, everything changes. Whenever you know for sure that God spoke to you and told you to do a thing, when you do that thing, his voice becomes louder. And his voice becomes louder, and his voice becomes louder. So I'll ask you if you, in your daily life, do you hear him? I have to give a little side note. It's a dangerous thing to share with people that don't understand whenever you say, God said to me this, because they think you're one of those kooks, and you very well may be. They think you're one of those kooks that's like, uh, this crazy person that thinks that God talks to them, this person is hearing voices. If you hear voices, we can have a different discussion 
Like, I don't know how many voices you hear, um, hopefully not a lot, but whenever I talk about hearing the voice of God, I'm not talking about the audible sound that you hear with your ears like you are hearing me right now. There may be an instance in your life where you hear God as clearly as you hear my voice. Most of the time, it is something, his voice is something that you just know. It's, it's an indescribable, clear direction that he's pushing you in. And you just know it. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Most of you in here are, are mature Christians. So you get that. You've, you've heard his voice and you can tell a story about when you heard his voice and you, you did exactly what he told you to do and, and what the fruit of that was. Most of you have a testimony of that. There are some that, uh, and the number one question I've gotten as a pastor in all my years in ministry um, is how can I hear God? How can I hear God better? What is, how can I figure out what God wants me to do? What are the things that, that I can do, the practical things that I can do in my life in order to hear God's voice better? Number one question. Uh, are y'all interested in hearing that? So, so I have a quote from A.W. Tozer. He's one of my favorite authors. He is like this deep theologian. So he said, I believe that much of our religious unbelief is due to a wrong conception of and a wrong feeling for the scriptures of truth. A silent God suddenly began to speak in a book, and when the book was finished, lapsed back into silence again forever. Now we read the book as, as the record of what God said when he was for a brief time in a speaking mood. With notions like that in our heads, how can we believe? The facts are that God is not silent, has never been silent. It is the nature of God to speak. The second person of the Holy Trinity is called the Word. The Bible is the inevitable outcome of God's continuous speech. It is the infallible declaration of his mind for us put into our familiar human words. I think a new world will arise out of the religious mists when we approach our Bible with the idea that it is not only a book which was once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. Man, isn't that good? So if you wonder, like, I don't, I don't know that I've heard God speak. You have an app on your phone that is the Bible app, and God speaks through that Bible app. Whenever people have come to me and said, you know, I used, to, I used to really feel like God was leading me. I, I used to hear God speak to me, but I'm just not hearing that anymore. And I'll say to them, start reading your Bible again. And they're like, no, I am reading my Bible. And I say, in the most pastor, pastorly lovable way, liar. Like, you're not reading your Bible if you're not hearing God speak. And if you are reading your Bible, you are hearing God speak. Those are his words. Not only are those his words, but while you're reading, you will hear something about your life. So you're like, you'll read it and you'll say, wow, that really applies to what I'm, I'm dealing with today. And you're reading some like Old Testament story that literally has nothing to do with what you're going through today. But somehow the Holy Spirit switches that in your mind and shows you this, this isn't what you're going through, but you will interpret it as what you're going through because he's speaking through his word today. Y'all believe that? Fifteen times. Jesus says, he, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He doesn't say people who have ears to hear, let him hear, because he's not speaking. He is speaking. John eight forty seven. He who is of God hears God's words. John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If we're in a crowded room, and there's a, all these people are talking, and Jessica says, babe, I immediately know that voice. I can immediately hear, I can recognize it, and I know... We can be in Walmart, and I will get lost every time. And somehow I just, I just walk around, and, I, and then she's just like, babe. And like, she can be 10 miles over, and I hear that. 
because I recognize that voice, because I have an, a relationship with her, a close relationship with her. We talk all the time. So whenever she speaks, I recognize it, and I can hear her. Whenever you have a close, intimate relationship with Jesus, and he says, son, daughter, you immediately recognize that that's him speaking to you. Take heed. Listen to that voice. He wants us to have a close relationship with him where we instantly recognize his voice. But we have to practice his presence. And now, I've done this example before, so if you don't like this, then um, cover your eyes or something. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I love you, but... So, whenever... If you're, or if you're having a conversation with somebody, and, uh, like, say I'm talking to, uh, to JR, and I'm like, hey, JR, how you doing, buddy? JR, how you doing, bro? Bro, brother, friend, pal. You know how when we pray... When you pray, that's how you pray, though. Y'all know the people that do it. Y'all prayed with them in circles. It's been you. <laughs> Dear, sweet Lord, baby Jesus. <laughs> Father, Lord God, Daddy, lover of my soul. Most high Jesus, thank you for this bountiful harvest of Taco Bell, Pepsi Cola. I'm just kidding. People, when people pray, they you turn into like, I know people that when they start to pray, they start to speak in King James English. And they, and they immediately have an accent. And it's like, huh? what are you doing? Your conversation with Jesus should never cease. Like, you know, whenever Paul's like, we should, be pray, we should pray without ceasing. Like, that's real. That's real. And that means you're not, you're not uh, changing and having an accent. You have to have that old King James accent to talk to God. Very good friends of mine, whenever they would pray, they would do that. And I would be like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you talking like that? Well, that's how I pray. Well, quit it. <laughs> when people say, uh, it's the same like whenever they're like, hey, you really need to get dressed up to go to church because you want to give God your best. It's like, you're only giving God your best on Sunday morning? Like, that's not a relationship. Like, you, and, and then I say, so, he's like, no, that's not what it is. I'm like, well, then you better be wearing that suit whenever you're mowing your yard. Or washing the dishes or whatever. It's like the, the relationship has to be a constant relationship, right? And so this, this example, make sure that, um, that your family's not around when you do this, okay? Because you believe that Jesus is in this room? Yes? Okay, so, so if you believe that Jesus is everywhere all the time, which is omnipresent, well, that's in the Word, then that means you believe that Jesus is sitting in this chair, if you, like you say you believe that, but then you start praying like this, dear Lord, God, holy Lord, God, Jesus, daddy, father, are you trying to convince yourself that he's listening? Because you don't need to say all those things to get his attention. As a matter of fact, if you're talking to me and you say my name one time, I'm going to be like, why are you saying my name? And if you say my name more than once, I'm be like, this person has a problem. <laughs> like you, you're off. Something's off about you. And if you keep saying my name or addressing me while we're talking, I'm going to start looking around. Am I visible? Like, do you not see me? So you can't see Jesus. But if you will practice the knowledge in your mind that he's sitting there, you're going to immediately stop with the, with the strange things, extra things you're saying. And, and I understand there's some element of where you say, um, where you're lifting him up. So you're praising him. And that's okay. But praising him isn't saying, Father over and over and over because you're you're saying those things as filler and in a conversation you don't have to have filler you don't you don't have to say the things like that because 
He's hanging on your every word because he wants a relationship so much with you that he's willing to die for you to have that relationship. So when you talk to Jesus sitting in that chair, Jesus, thank you so much. I even said it. Look, I'm trying to show you an example, and I still said his name. Like, it's so hard to get out of those habits. Thank you so much for being part of my life and being the center of my life. And I really want you to, I'm, I'm looking down as if he's like a really short Jesus. Uh, I don't know why. I said, I said baby Jesus earlier, so I guess he's laying in the seat. But it, you talk to him as if you really believe in, in actuality and practicality that he is there. Because you know he is there. In your mind, you know he is there. Whenever you start to practice that presence, um, your intimacy with him immediately changes. And whenever your intimacy with him changes, then that means your, your recognition of his voice changes. And whenever you start getting that, like, God wants us to live by his voice. Of course we live by the word. The word gives us, like, it's something we can see. But it's not just the word that we live by. We live by the words that he is speaking. He's very clear when he says, man cannot live by bread alone, but on the very words that proceed out of the mouth of God. So it's not just the words that we read. It is the words that he is speaking to us. Right. So if you're a Christian, then one of the main uh, differences in you and a non-believer is that you have a personal relationship with God. It's not that you believe your belief doesn't give you anything. You believing that Jesus is God's son. You believe that that he raised him from the dead. You believe that on the third day that he rose from the dead and he he came in order to save all of humanity. You believe all those things. Good for you. So do demons. Like demons believe all those things and it doesn't lead to eternal life for them. What leads to eternal life for them is that relationship and the repentance. Man, the gospel snuck in again, guys. The repentance to, uh, to you had your, your own way and you're living your own way and then Jesus stepped in and you accepted that payment on the cross and then you turned and now you're living his way. Sometimes you'll turn back. And he's not sitting there. When you turned back and you started living your own way again, he wasn't the... the he wasn't standing on the, the porch w- tapping his foot saying, my stupid son, my stupid daughter. Look at them. They're all the way out there. I cannot believe it. No, he's like this. Y'all know the prodigal son story. He's the father watching, and he sees when you're far off. He's watching you when you're far off, and he's just waiting for you to just turn to him. And as soon as you turn to him, you don't have to work your way back and earn your, earn your penance, like pay your penance, and you don't have to say a thousand Hail Marys. All you have to do is run to him, and he's, he's there with open arms. And he's waiting. He's been watching and waiting. And he sees you when you're far off. And so return. Come back to him. Because the personal relationship that you have with him makes all the difference in the world. Uh, you, have a, you have a deep connection with God. In Ephesians 5, Paul describes your deep connection with God like uh, he describes a marriage. He said, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you I should submit to your husbands and everything. So I'm going to throw that submit to your husbands in there as much as I can. Um, some of y'all need to hear. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, hearing God's voice is, is um, the, the louder you hear it is really has to do with how you answer the question, who are you most? Like I'm a dad, I'm a grandfather, I'm a husband, I'm an employee, I'm a boss, I'm a, I'm a pastor. 
But what I am most and how I view myself most is I'm God's adopted son. Like I, am, I belong to him before I belong to anyone else. My role as his kid is first, and then my role of, of all my other roles fall under that one. Mostly, I am his. And it's not about something that we do, our actions, in order to hear him. It's about something that we are. It's about that we are his kid and he's speaking to us. And we hear God because of who we are and whose we are, right? And John 10, uh, 10, 1 through 5, he says, uh, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Sometimes sheep don't listen on purpose. Not y'all, but other sheep at other churches. Sometimes sheep don't listen on purpose, and they, they do their own thing. And then sometimes sheep are far away from the shepherd, and they can't hear him very well. I've known plenty of sheep that have gotten uh, gotten to this point where they're just busy doing sheep stuff, and they they they're looking down and they're doing their sheep stuff, and they're looking down and they they got life going on, they got all these different things of work and and family and all these different things, and then they look up and they find they're way away from the flock. You know, the most dangerous place for you to be to fall prey to a predator is apart from the flock. When you, when you walk away from church, you are susceptible to be prey because there is someone that is seeking whom he may devour, and he's looking for you to be parted from your flock so that he can easily attack and easily win. That's why belonging to a church is very important. Maybe not this church. We have visitors. Maybe not this church. Maybe this church. Maybe not this church. If you don't belong to this church, go belong somewhere else, but belong. You have to belong because if you don't belong, you are in a dangerous place. One time I was in the airport and I'm sitting there watching. Now they have the TVs up there to uh, make sure that you don't talk to strangers. So uh, I'm, I'm watching that TV and there was, they had all these landscape stuff and like these beautiful scenery and, and it was great. And then they showed this shepherd that was, he must have had 400 sheep behind him that are following him. And I'm like, man, that's really cool. And he's walking around, and those sheep are just, like, he's just walking and doing shepherd stuff, whatever that is. And, and all the sheep, like, a long way are just following. He'll go through this little crevice. And, and, and as I'm watching that, the Lord said, pay attention. And I'm like, I'm like, watch. I'm like, okay, what? You know, uh, in this crowd, this giant crowd of sheep that are following the shepherd, how many of those sheep actually heard the shepherd's voice it wasn't all of them because the shepherd's not that loud and sheep are not quiet like y'all know y'all ain't quiet and so they're what what they're doing is they're the ones that are close to the shepherd are hearing the sheep's voice and they're i mean the shepherd's shepherd's voice the sheep that are close to the shepherd are hearing the shepherd's voice very clearly and then the further back you go they're hearing sheep that are following the shepherd's voice. And the further back you go, they're hearing sheep that heard sheep that heard sheep that heard the shepherd's voice. And you get to all, all the way to the end that are barely following at all, and you had sheep that sheep that sheep that sheep that sheep that sheep. And then, you, oh, look, they're hearing the shepherd. Look, ain't no sheep going to hear the shepherd from me, okay? 
I'm going to draw as close as I can to the shepherd so that I can hear his voice. There are obviously, like, I, I hopefully to you, I am not the shepherd here. To be very, very clear, I am not the shepherd here. Jesus is the shepherd. I'm just a sheep, and I have a loud bell. And I'm like, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus, because that's all I'm doing. I'm trying to follow Jesus. I don't have it all figured out. Newsflash. And so what I'm doing is I'm just a loud sheep that's saying, look, I'm going to follow Jesus as best I can. But I'm challenging you. You draw close to the shepherd so that you can hear his voice and you know where he is going and he, you know where he wants you to go. You don't follow other sheep. Follow the voice of the shepherd. That's what we're talking about, following the voice of the shepherd. And you can learn to hear his voice better. When we're reborn, as part being part of a new creation, we learn that we have this new ability to hear God's voice. Whenever he speaks, we can hear him and we gain the ability, but we still have to learn. Just like my, my grandson is two years old and he says some words, um, usually the words we don't want him to say. Uh, he repeats everything, like everything. So uh, it's great, um, but he's still learning to talk. Whenever you, you enter into this relationship with Jesus, you learn to pray. You learn to read the Bible. You learn to hear God's voice. It's a learning thing. Whenever you first hear it, I will never forget the very first time I heard God's voice. Because I'm extra hard-headed, um, he had to, it was like an almost an audible thing that I could hear with my ears. I was reading on, in the, whenever I first got saved, they told me I needed to read the Bible. So I took that very seriously. So I went home and I read the Bible. Like, and I just kept reading until I finished it. And the very first time I was going through the, uh, in Matthew, the crucifixion. And I, I would do this thing where I would put myself there, like where I can feel the heat from being in the desert. And like I'm, I'm imagining the people yelling and, and Jesus is, is dragging the cross. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really meditating on, uh, on the word there. And, and I, uh, I remember being so heartbroken that they were doing this to someone who I had read all these stories was like so loving and so caring and like he was someone that I wanted to be around. And I, and I remember um, I get down on the ground and I'm just like, I'm so like broken because like we, we did all these things or they, in my mind, they did all these things to him. Why did they do all these things to him? And then I realized, wait a minute, my sin did all these things to him. And I'm, I'm just, I'm on my hands and knees and I, I, as soon as I raised my head up, I could see Jesus through the legs of the people that were standing in front of me in my, like, in my meditation. And he looked straight into my eyes and he said, I would have done this all just for you. I've been running after Jesus ever since. Uh, and it wasn't because, like, I was good. Trust me. I wasn't. It was only because he is good. And when he speaks, uh, if you'll heed that voice, do what that voice says, it changes everything. It changes everything. We gain this maturity in several ways. You gain the maturity, but the number one way is, is by um, submitting to the nonspecific will. God told Jessica and I to come and plant a church in New Braunfels. That is a specific calling that we know God's voice was in. He non-specifically told us to go and make disciples. And he tells all of us that. And John, there's a few things that are very clearly 
non-specific to you. They're to all of us. It says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands that I have given you. And be sure that of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Ephesians 5, he says, be filled with the Spirit. That's a commandment. Be filled with the Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians, separate ourselves from sin and be sanctified. In Romans 8, be conformed to the image of God's Son. God gives us commands and he reveals his will for us through the Bible, and by obeying it and knowing and knowing it, he graciously reveals his specific will. You find out what a specific calling for you and your life is by reading the word. Um, and so what we want to do, because we're like people that really want to see the special effects and want to see these big miracles, we're looking for like this Acts 9, Damascus Road, Paul experience where the clouds part and God says to us, Saul, Saul, and like we hear his voice with our ears and, and we're looking for these big things. Don't say you're not. You're looking for, you're like you look up at the clouds and you're like, if he could just write out exactly the whole plan for my life right here in the clouds, that would be great because then I would know. Can, he can send a text message. Like I'll take a text. Like anything, he sent a text message. <laughs> it's the Bible. <laughs> I was a youth pastor for a long time. Let me read you this story from First uh, Kings 19. There, this is a little backstory. This is Elijah had just just um, had the 400 prophets of Baal killed. Elijah is like a man after my own heart. He was such a smart aleck. Like these these prophets are praying that their God will will come down and 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 light up the offering on fire. And and he's like, well. Like nothing's happening when they're praying. And, and he's like, well, maybe your God's on the toilet or something. Maybe he's pooping. I don't know. And so like that's like he's such a smart aleck. I love it. I'm not like that, but he was. And so uh, so then uh, he's on the run because Ahab goes home and tells Jezebel what happened. And she's and she tells Elijah, hey, uh, I'm going to kill you. Like we're going to have you killed. And so he, he's on the run. So he says, uh, there he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. <clears throat> Pay attention to exactly what is said here. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied. Oh, wait. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. <clears throat> then a great and powerful wind tore through the mount, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. After all of the big things, all of the things you've been looking for your whole life, you've been looking for the sign in the clouds. And after all of that came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Th this guy who had seen all the things, he was unmoved by the earthquake and the fire and the wind. He was unmoved by those things but the whisper of God's voice. 
That was when he was like, he was moved. That was when he knew the presence of God was there. It was in the whisper. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? This seems familiar. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me. And then God whispers to him, go. And he goes. Permanent spiritual reformation is not found in the material things you see. You've been praying that God will speak. You've been praying that God will move. You've been praying that God will do something mighty in your life. And so you've been looking for miracles to happen with your eyes. That's not where the miracles happen. Like, if you look at Elijah, he saw the raising of the dead. He saw fire come down from heaven in Mount Carmel. He, all of these things he had seen with his own eyes. He saw the, the, the earthquake and the, and the wind blowing and knocking rocks over. And he saw the fire coming down. None of that moved him. What moved him was the whisper of God's voice. So the permanent spiritual reformation that you are looking for in your life is not going to come in the things that you see. It's going to come in the still, small whisper of his voice to your heart. This is where it's going to come. You want to know where the miracle is going to happen in your life? It's going to come when you're sitting right here and you talk to, talk to him as if he is there because he is and you know he is. It's going to come when you're sitting there talking. The most important part of your prayer life is the time when you shut up. The most important thing you can do in prayer is not pray. You can be in that reverent spot and you say your things, and you ask Him your things, and then you just sit and listen and wait. If you will wait, I promise you, you will hear Him speak. And it may even be audible. But you have to turn off what you have to do in the work week. You have to turn off what you're going to cook for dinner. You have to turn off what you're going to do tomorrow. You have to turn off that song that's welling up and you want to sing it in worship. You have to turn off the other things that you want to pray for. You have to turn it all off. And you just have to listen for the whisper. Because the whisper is where every single thing in my life, every big decision, every big thing that God's called me to was from a whisper. Everyone. Every time I've been going in one direction, thinking I'm doing the good thing, and I was doing the good thing, but I wasn't doing the God thing, whenever, I, whenever that got turned to God things, every single one of those times was from a whisper. Every one. And it was when I stopped and I t- put everything down, and I said, God, speak, and then I'm going to listen. And sometimes the whisper came immediately, and sometimes it came days later, whenever I would quiet myself And I would just say, God, I'm going to wait until you speak. I'm not moving until you speak. And in the whisper, he changes everything. One word from him can change all of the rest of your life. One single whispered word. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The voice is the key to life in him. And it is his voice that makes the difference in your life and in your ministry going forward, right? God, we thank you so much 
Lord, for your grace and for your mercy and for the way that you continue to call us to deeper and deeper levels with you, that you just continue to lavish your love out on us as your kids. And um, though we don't deserve it, and even though we know we don't deserve it, uh, it's like we continue to try to prove to you that we don't deserve it by our actions. But you're so good. You're so good to us that you just keep being good. And you keep calling us and you keep uh, redeeming that plan. Every, every time we make a wrong turn, you still uh, recalculate the route and make it to where it can still be good. We thank you. We thank you for your goodness. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.